Welcome to the Virtual Staff Room, a podcast made for teachers by teachers and all with a dash of educational technology thrown in. My name is Joachim Cohen, your host, and the school's technology innovation lead with the Technology for Learning team here at the New South Wales Department of Education. And that means I have the best job in the world. And today, I'm joined by two rather awesome members of a Technology for Learning team, Yvette and Linda. Yvette Pashoglian is an English teacher and a writer of children's books, but did you know she's also always on the hunt for some amazing ed tech stories for magazine.t4l? I am always on the hunt. Um, very lucky to put together the magazine.t4l uh, magazine, which is what we call it these days. It's amazing. <laughs> Such a go-to source of info. Yeah. But, you know, it's coming to the end of the year and there are just so many things um, I wish we'd covered but we're going to get stuck into in 2021. Uh, just keep hearing amazing things from the hustings. So keep an eye peeled. We've got a new issue coming out. Fantastic. And we're also lucky enough to have Linda Lazenby in the virtual staff room. Linda is Waitara Public School alumni and also the ideas person behind the game-changing student publication T4L Kids, an awesome independent learning resource for students across the state. Linda, do you have a sneak peek for this term's issue? I do, but I'm not going to say I'm the ideas person behind it entirely, Joe, because there's a whole team of people working on it from the STEM leaders. But yes, the sneak peek is that it's coming out in a few weeks, fingers crossed, and it's got a scientific inquiry focus, which is a great wrap up for the end of the term. That's fantastic. Some great independent learning tasks to get students all the way through to the end of term. I like it. So let's jump in. What do we have in store? Well, if you've listened to the podcast before, you know we've tried to divide it up like your school day. We start the day with assembly where we talk all things EdTech news, make our way to roll call where we power boost your day with the best EdTech resources and PL to keep you leading and learning. Next, we catch up with our special guest, Mark Greentree, Director Technology for Learning. Yes, he is our boss. Over lunch, as we find out a little about his journey, what motivates him, plus we might unpack some of the latest policy announcements that will impact schools in New South Wales in 2021. Then it's out to playground duty where we answer your questions. And finally, we wrap it up with something from left field in car park chat. But before we get started, our last two episodes were edutech specials. Yvette and Linda, having time to reflect, what was your biggest takeaway? And what are you heading back in to watch again on demand? I think the biggest thing uh, now, having had a couple of weeks out from the live version of edtech, edutech is just that, you know, you can revisit and I can look at all the things that I've missed, even though on the days we were monitoring and watching all the, all the different sessions, there are a couple that have sparked my interest in particular, the one on the digital learning selector. I want to go back and, and listen to that and just look at how I can utilize those, um, those incredible resources on there. So yeah, with a bit of reflection time and the fact that we've still got it available um, and that it's going to be available into next year for schools, I think I really recommend you check it out, everyone. Mm. And I, I felt a bit the same on the two days. I had a lot of people saying, this was great. Make sure you go and watch it. This was great. And I don't have that list anywhere now. So I need to go back and see what I want, what I missed and what I want to watch. It's great. Isn't it? it's, a, it's one of the benefits of actually having a virtual conference is that we can go back and watch it on demand and then share it also with our colleagues and they can watch it too. So you can... Oh, look, it's so hard to choose just one of those sessions. But I think one of the ones that I found translated really well in this virtual medium was the one on virtual reality. 
which is run by the STEM T4L team. And I just was blown away by how they actually managed to do that and help me to experience and understand all these various parameters. So if you're new to VR, I really recommend going and taking a look at that and exploring and, and they really take you through the whole process and, and help to unpack it for you. But look, we could be here all day doing another Edutech special. We have got to get on. I think it's time to get on with the show. Here we are, the sun is shining, the bitumen of the quadrangle is heating up, but most importantly, we are about to share the best EdTech news of the week. Linda. I love a good news story. That's why I like this part of our show so much. A story from the AI for Good Challenge by Microsoft. So Christine is a year 10 student at Seven Hills High in Western Sydney who won the competition for her product called Sensory for Sight. It was a design concept that she has created as a visually impaired student herself, where virtual reality and sensory gloves enable gamers to kind of um, be involved in those online worlds without the use of their vision as well. So really, really clever. She talked about the fact that for her the pandemic had highlighted the the digital exclusion for some of those impaired students, particularly with vision, uh, and how important that online communication was. So I just love that idea that she's she's part of the problem or or wants to solve a problem that's going to help not only herself but others um, and was rewarded for her great work as well. So a good story around for department schools again. What an innovator. And I think that one of when I was reading through that article, I was blown away by how I would actually think I'd really enjoy this experience as well. And it's taking gaming to a whole new level level in a different way and re-emphasises the, the fact that sometimes when we do things to make products more accessible, we're actually making better products in the end for everyone. And I think she's, she's invented a whole new genre. It's so exciting. Congratulations to Christine is all I can say. There was another uh, winner from junior high school, not a public school, but they created an app that helps body scan match fashion for people as well, which I thought would be interesting to see over that. the next few years what might I'll happen in that. that space. I would buy that. You're in. Sounds great. God, kids are cool, aren't they? The stuff they're thinking about, man, it's it's incredible. Um, Let's call your eye. Hey, uh, look, I'm, when I'm not recording a podcast, I am listening to stuff all over the place. Um, I, I was having this conversation with a friend who's just moved house the other day um, about the transistor radio that I actually have and carry around my house. Um, it's my favourite piece of tech. Um, and it's just, you know, one of those boxy things. And then I have my, you know, I have my, I don't have a, a nest or anything like that, but I have so many devices. So there's a device everywhere just ready to listen to something. However, I did hear a very cool story actually just um, recently on Life Matters on the ABC and it was about reflecting on what they called the big 20. So it was looking back at the last 20 years. Look, 2020 for us is all going to, is going to always give us triggering emotions because 2020 has been a really big year. But actually thinking about the biggest changes, challenges, innovations of the past 20 years in a global context. And it got me thinking about what, you know, how tech has changed. Gosh, we were even just saying, Linda, how much tech has changed in the past 15 years for us. And that sounds like a long time. But if you had to nominate one tech change for you that's happened in the past 20 years, what would you nominate as being the biggest uh, development? Well, it sounds very low level, but for me, I would think it would have to be the use of a smartphone. I was we were talking before this, I lived in London for four or five years and, you know, the ability to FaceTime or Skype anyone because I'm mm. so old mm-hmm. wasn't a thing yet. <laughs> and I think those kind of technologies as a parent and as a person, it, 
it helps me no end that I can literally track my children. <laughs> they can track me, which is terrible. It has pros and cons, right? But I think for me, the smartphone is has mm. got to be it. Oh, look, I like I, I want to comment on Linda's first. I, I agree that with that it's it's probably one of the most game-changing things, especially for all of those people in, in countries where perhaps they haven't had internet access, they don't have devices. Suddenly a really reasonably priced piece of equipment can keep them connected, get them online, help democratise the access to information and to learning. And I think that was a really huge thing that came out of the pandemic as well as the increased use of um, smartphones by people in countries where they don't have access or you know, even even in, in developed countries, sometimes students were accessing this content via their smartphones. So I think that's a really huge development. And kind of piggybacking on that is the idea of this democratisation of being able to publish and produce, which I think has come around in the last 20 years. So, and also, so, you know, things like Airbnb, you know, Uber, everything's become a lot more possible for everyone to have an idea and make it into a reality as a result of technology. So that's not a real top 20 there, but, yeah, um, but, but maybe it's the, a concept. It is. And look, I, I, as I've been cleaning out my house while I've been on various conference calls, no judgment, please, but I have, I have... DVD box sets coming out of my ears. I mean, what are the the resource rooms of schools going to look like in the future? Please tell me they're not going to have just dusty videos, which is what they had when I was there. Um, But really the multimedia access we now have to libraries of music and information and news and and, films and TV, uh, I mean, this is a game changer for us obviously in this, you know, in in the Western world anyway. Um, So for me it's that ease of access to resources which has been a huge thing. Goodness knows where we're going to be in a few years. Mm. I think when you look at it, you know, I responded with a very personal thing initially but then you put something like an education lens on it and and think about all the important things that have happened in education over 20 years that technology has supported. It's, yeah, big 20 it seems a lot. Yeah. But there has been a lot that's happened. It's a very cool little program. We've got the link to it if you want to explore that idea further. Oh, thanks for making us think, Yvette. I really enjoyed that one. And what's caught my eye is something called the uh, Aussie Student, it's an Aussie Student Inventor competition. So Aussie Student Inventions that Change the World competition, so that I get it right, being run by ClickView. And um, all those New South Wales public schools out there, you've more than likely got access to ClickView because it was enabled throughout uh, 2020. Um, So, you know, make sure you use that well because this competition actually comes with lots and lots of resources. So apart from actually getting kids to think of an idea, to actually pitch it, um, you know, a written pitch, a video pitch, you know, as well as the idea and how they got there. But they also can go and access resources that connect them with inventions that have come out of Australia over the last few years and how those inventors came up with the idea. So there are some great resources to help them in the process of developing an invention and then also inspiration to actually share their big idea with a bigger audience. So just like we were talking about media event there, there's some great media to go consume, but then students are going to go and produce their own to actually sell their idea back to this amazing group of judges. So This is incredible. Oh. I was talking to a friend who's, whose husband is an entrepreneur and he had to go to entrepreneur camp so that he could talk to other entrepreneurs about feeling good about being an entrepreneur and um, after the giggles I I actually started to think about that and Joe with this this is like real world application skills Mm. for students and goodness knows what these students like you know with your your student success story Linda of of the app designers from that particular um, competition like these students are getting they're actually business people already in a way where they're already prototyping 
prototyping their businesses and building them. So I'll be interested to see some of those stories that come out of that, Joe. Oh, so will I. And as a great end of term activity, you know, you can really start to get involved and competition opens at the end of November. You can start to get involved, get your students engaging in those last few weeks when they might be disengaged. And you can actually say, this is something you could take further. And the big, the most exciting thing is the prize is all about connecting with these entrepreneurs and actually looking at how you can maybe progress your idea a bit further. So is this a high school uh, competition or is it lower oh, stages? That's a really or... great question. I'm going to put the link in the show notes and you're going to go and find out. Yep. So I think it probably good. applies to both. Yeah. Great. Absolutely. All right. Are we ready to go? Linda Lazenby. Yes. Yvette Pashoglian. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> we get that wrong. And my co-presenters <laughs> are wide awake to my roost this episode. Now it is time to give you our cheat sheet on the most awesome resources and professional learning that we found. Yvette, have you found something for our listeners to engage with this week? I do. I've got a whole list, but I'll keep it brief. We've got a new issue of Magazine T4L, which is just out. And, oh, gosh, we're into the alliteration this year. It's top tech of 2020. I don't know how many more times I can say 2020 in this podcast, but it's a look back at some of our best articles of the year, our most um, well-read articles, and we're just reproducing some of that content for you. Um, We've also got some updates on some incredible hour of code stuff that's coming up at the end of this term and a whole bunch of incursions that we've got that we encourage you to check out. There is just another one thing that I want to touch on as well, and I mentioned the digital learning selector before, but there is actually a very cool book creator product on there which I know schools are maybe pulling together anthologies or things at the end of this year. It's really great and there's also a certification you can undertake as well. So we'll check that in the, in the notes as well. So that's me. Um, yeah, it's, there's a lot happening. Fantastic. I really love the Digital Learning Selector because if you're trying to figure out a tool that you can use to accomplish something, uh, be it presentations, be it a podcast, be it video, you can go on there and find some tools or the how-to guides and they actually have downloadable templates. Like they must have a downloadable template. Yes. Yes, very, very cool. And I just like the fact that you can undertake some certification now as well to really build your skills and put towards PL. Time saver. I really like it. Oh, no. So what I found is another on-demand conference. We were talking about EduTech, but I also noticed that Adobe Max was on-demand this year. So for those of you who don't know about Adobe Max, Adobe have those great creativity tools. And um, Adobe Max is all about building skills with those tools, but also connecting uh, with loads of industry experts in that creative area. And most of the sessions are available on demand and they're all free. It's really exciting. So I'll put a link to it in the show notes. And I had, you know, about one, three things that I thought were really exciting that I pulled out of it. One of them was the business of designing uh, an icon. And it was all about how they actually redesigned the Land Rover Defender. So a lot of Funny you might know. Funny how that's know. a car that you mentioned, Joe. I know. Here we go. I've managed to just weave it back in again. <laughs> it's fantastic. But you know that you might have all encountered that really old Land Rover style car that mm-hmm. has been around forever. Coveted. Well, Coveted. It. Yeah. What's new? It looks similar but the same and and the the fellow that goes through it is actually an Australian. I think it's Jerry McGovern who goes through the process of how they redesigned it and um, it's really interesting to follow for students to see the process that went that they went through and then they can go and gain the skills using the Adobe tools as another part of Adobe Max to actually have a go at maybe reinventing something themselves. So I really like those ones. They were amazing. Were many of those sessions sessions that you could maybe use in your classroom as well for maybe some secondary kids and then 
it's PL for you at the same time maybe? Yeah, yeah, I absolutely think so, especially the ones that are on the tools but also the ones that are with industry experts. I think there was um, some, one with a tattoo artist, which is really interesting. Yeah, there was, there, some, was, there, was, there was some good ones on uh, book design and graphic design and how people are sort of taking their, their own you know, ideas and motifs and actually expanding them out to have an empire. And so, yeah, there's some really good sessions with with some local flavour, like lots of Australians in there too. Wow. We're getting so many, you know, this episode I'm just feeling so much about entrepreneurial ideas and things like that and empires? Today. I was just going to yeah. say I have neither of those things. <laughs> oh, dear. But that's what I found. Linda, did you find anything? I did. Just last week our friends over at SLEC, the School Learning Environments and Change team, have launched a co-teaching handbook and I thought um, a very good time of year to do it as people are moving into what's 2021 going to look like in my school or as a classroom teacher, what, what do I want to do differently next year? And the handbook, um, I spent some time going through it. it is just such a simple yet fantastic guide. It works through the four parts of the cycle to make co-teaching work well and that's co-planning, co-teaching, co-debriefing and co-reflecting. They work through the benefits, the challenges and gives really good tips to establish how it can work well but to also make sure you're you know, making sure all four of those parts of the cycle are met. So you're just not co-teaching and then walking away, that that co-reflection happens and the co-planning happens before in order to set it up for success. It was, it's a really great handbook. It's not too heavy. It's kind of a very simple thing you could work through with some Looks colleagues. Like they've chatted to lots of teachers already engaging. Absolutely. So There's a lot of um, teachers' quotes in there as well about it, what their experience of co-teaching has been. And I know I've had an exceptional co-teaching experience with a colleague a few years ago and um, I know some people that haven't had quite such success but maybe starting off the year being on the same page with this handbook could be helpful. Yeah, that's a great resource. Now, I, look, co-teaching for me, that's when you, you might have actually uh, in, have a new learning space where the walls mightn't be as they as rigid as they were. You might have two or three classes in the one area. Is that the kind of concept that it's going down, how you might actually learn to teach effectively in that kind of space? Yeah, it definitely talks a lot to those kind of environments, but also there's nothing in this that you couldn't put in a very traditional school that has very separate learning spaces. Um, you can still be very creative. So no one is, you know, out of this co-teaching loop at all. What a great little resource, especially for new teachers coming in at the start of next year, so that reduces their fear right away. Oh, good find, Linda. All right, I think we're ready. My tummy's grumbling. Now, you might have been reading in the news that there have been some big announcements about digital education in New South Wales public schools for 2021 over the last few weeks. And today, we're lucky enough to be joined by someone who can help us unpack these ideas. And that's Director Technology for Learning, Mark Greentree. But we don't just want to talk the future and talk policy. Mark is not only Director T4L, but is also a former teacher, a school leader, and someone with an unstoppable passion for driving technology for learning. And yes, he is also our boss and the concocter of all things awesome here at T4L. And probably the best storyteller I have ever encountered. So get ready to be inspired and to be taken on a journey. Welcome, Mark. Uh, thank you, Joe. It's a pleasure to be here with you all today. Mark, it's Yvette here. Many of us know you as the Director of Technology for Learning, but we'd love to hear a little bit about how you started out. Tell us about your teaching career and how did your passion for technology develop alongside that? Uh, well, my journey with technology probably starts all the way back in 1990. 
before uh, my first appointment. I was at a Denza Park Public School uh, teaching a U1 class at the time. Uh, we had some Apple IIEs at the back of the class, uh, which didn't work. And at the time, trying to get them to work and get someone out there to fix them uh, would have been an issue. So um, I figured, look, I can't break them any more than what they are. Um, so I actually opened up the case, um, got into the thing, uh, pulled out the drive, shook it, and realised it rattled. Um, opened that up and found a nice green counter that one of the kids had deposited uh, nicely into the disk drive, put it all back together again like a jigsaw. It started up, it worked. I told the principal and she said, great, you're the new computer coordinator. <laughs> so uh, from that point forward, my my fate was sealed, um, you know, uh, and then I became uh, at the time the advanced skills teacher uh, with technology as a focus. They had a, um, a position like that. Um, and then as I just moved through, it became a process of, look, these tools are becoming uh, more important and crucial to, to learning. I was there when they um, delivered our one computer in the school that could connect to the internet via a 28K modem. Um, with Netscape Navigator 7 on it. Um, and uh, and they're showing the staff how to use um, a CD-ROM called uh, Grandma and Me, uh, which had these amazing little clickable uh, options in the, in the um, uh, software, which kids thought were fantastic. Um, and really, that's when I started to also see the fact that, you know, Technology was a great trigger for student engagement. Uh, and if we empowered teachers to make good decisions on how to use that technology, we really could tap into the, the wonderful opportunities available uh, in enhancing teaching and learning. And this journey with technology to enhance teaching and learning, you've, you've been really at the centre of it since 2017 across the department when you became Director of Technology for Learning. And I'm just wondering, what are some of the, the big differences that you've seen between 2017 and now that have really, you know, made your heart sing? Well, I, I tell you what, um, I'm a glass half full sort of guy. So COVID-19, whilst it has had its challenges, uh, has also presented some wonderful rewards in its wake. Um, our usage of technology and our, our maturity as an education system in using technology effectively has gone gangbusters ever since we had to go remote learning in, back in April. Um, prior to that, a lot of the processes that we had to do with the T4L team and with the STEM team was about going out there and engaging with schools and trying to promote the use of technology and trying to uh, raise the awareness of schools on, you know, this is a really cool thing. You should trust us. Now it, it's kind of like, you want to hear more about this technology? Well, come on, let's, let's show. And, and that was really sort of, I guess, escalated that moment we went into remote learning and suddenly we had so many webinars. I think it was 105 webinars that were run in that short space of time with so many people connecting to the internet and connecting to our, our teaching and learning, um, uh, resources there because suddenly it became the thing for teachers to connect to students. And now that they've got that, we don't want them to fall back into old habits again. We really want to sort of take the great positives that came out of the teaching and learning and really sort of dial them up. Give them, in your words, Joe, a, a T4L power up and, and uplift to truly tap the potential of what we've got with technology. Love it. Uh, there's been some pretty big policy releases of late that have fairly significant potential to supercharge digital in schools. What are you excited about for 2021 in regards to those? Huge, 
huge announcement. So in the last in the last two weeks alone, we've announced uh, nearly a billion dollars worth of investment uh, in public education going forward. We've got um, the the tutoring program uh, to support the the learning of students. Now, whilst that's not technically a technology focused thing, it's really technology that's going to assist in driving and advancing that particular program and strategy. And I'm working um, with a number of key stakeholders across the department on how we're going to roll that out uh, at the beginning of next year. That alone is around $300 million investment. Then you move into uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had the Telstra uh, contract announcement where we're providing unprecedented levels of bandwidth access for students. We're taking basically giving every student about a five meg um, access in their school environment and really sort of dialing it up in terms of the access to technology. That was another 320 million. And then of course, the jewel in the crown, which was about a week ago, $366 million as part of the rural access gap strategy, which is, which is a key initiative under the school's digital strategy moving forward. Uh, and it's all about delivering greater access to our students in rural and remote areas and effectively uplifting the capacity of 1,002 schools across our rural and, and remote areas across New South Wales. Now, that includes the delivery of uh, more devices for the students to, to reduce that device to student rate or the student to device ratio. Uh, it's about delivering devices to teachers in those schools to really dial up their ability to uh, plan, prepare and execute highly effective teaching and learning programs and really gain the best um, uh, benefits out of the technology. And that rides off the back of a teacher device pilot that we uh, put in play from last November that has come back with some amazing stats in terms of what teachers have really gained from having a device for their own use in their teaching and learning and their administration processes. And also one of the really great parts of this rural access gap is the one I'm most, I guess, excited about is the provision of time for those teachers in some of those schools to access and participate in professional learning, which will be led by uh, a wonderful team of leaders uh, we call the digital support team, uh, which will have members of our STEM program and uh, also our TFRL foundations team. Uh, and we'll be broadening that team. And I believe one of the people on that panel is uh, is helping to lead that and drive that digital skills team. So um, I think, um, you will be just as excited as I am about what sort of potential this program has for those schools and those students and the communities that they serve. Mark, with, with such huge announcements and massive funding and, and the changes in resourcing, you've touched on a couple of the challenges. What are going to be some of the top of mind challenges for you with, with these massive implementations uh, coming up? Uh, I'm sure, you know, the th th things you think about every minute of the day. <laughs> Look, we've, we've got to keep focusing on the fact that this is all about improving student outcomes. We need to avoid and make sure that we don't turn this into a dumbo drop of, of technology, that we sort of like, um, you know, look for the the cheap wins in, in terms of public announcements and, and look, great, here's a device for you and here's a device for you and we've upgraded these schools and these classrooms with, with new technology. We need to make sure that there's actually long-term sustainable benefit there. And in conjunction with the actual devices that we're putting in there, we need to really drive home the opportunity for high quality, impactful professional learning for the teachers so that we can see that replicated in the student performance. Now, it's something I'm super 
passionate about um i guess you, you might be able to tell from my uh my, my voice and, and the way in which i'm describing it but um when i first took on this role in 2017 uh i was really passionate about transforming our computer equipment rollout because 20 odd million dollars a year is spent on putting devices into schools i really wanted to try and drive a professional learning element there to make sure that we got the best bang for our buck with that investment and make sure that we were able to use that 20 million dollars worth of investment in a real tangible way that drove student outcomes now with the opportunities ahead of us for this significant investment with the rag uh, the rural access gap initiative it's important that we drive that PL, that teacher professional learning and enhance the way in which our students use it. And we need to balance that with a mixture of online, face-to-face, on-demand, all of those different types of learning modes so that we can actually meet the needs of the various different teachers and communities with the different experiences level, experience levels. So we have a sustainable program long after the funding cycle runs out. <laughs> Wow. And I think you've, you've, you, your passion certainly does just come out in, in, in everything you say and the way you say it. And I think we're so lucky in New South Wales to have someone leading technology for learning with your focus on students, your focus on, you know, developing teachers and the long-term bigger picture. Um, but, you know, if I can ask you, what does get you out of bed every day? What is success going to look like for you in 2021? Look, I really, uh, I know this sounds a little bit cliched and a little bit sort of like hokey, but um, I really want to make a difference with what I do. Um, you know, uh, it's never been about me or, or my career, but about sort of what sort of impact and what sort of sustainable impact so that once my, my career does finish somewhere down the track, I can look back and actually appreciate the fact that uh, while I was here, I, I did something that was important that made a difference and that that, that impacted students. Uh, when I when I was a teacher and a, and a principal in schools, I knew that I had the responsibility of of positively impacting the lives of several hundred students that were in my care. Um, and now I feel that I have that same responsibility to eight hundred thousand students and eighty thousand staff and corporate staff. And whilst it might be daunting when you look at the the numbers. I follow this simple, reliable, and effective motto. And and basically, it doesn't matter whether it's eight students or 800,000. If your strategy is simple in in how you roll it out, i.e. it's on the back of good communication, clear execution, and and in a way that is respectful and understands the true needs of each school and each individual school environment. I think that's going to drive success. And that's what gets me up in the morning, knowing the, the fact that I have the opportunity in an exciting time to be supported with such a great initiative ahead of us to really make an impactful difference now and into the future. No pressure. You've only got 800,000 students waiting. Um, You've led change at a school level and now at state level. What advice do you have for school leaders going into 2021 to improve the digital capacity of their community? Well, again, it's that simple, reliable, effective message. So the simple thing is to to just take a stop, have a look and and ask people questions. There's a saying that's one of my favourites is, uh, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Uh, I'm happy to say I've never been in the wrong room. So um, asking questions of people who may know more 
uh, about technology and might be able to provide advice is the first key. Principals are charged with an incredible responsibility to drive school improvement, but they should never be afraid to ask questions. We always talk about the, the stupid questions and there is no stupid question. It's exactly right because the next question you ask will actually inform you even further on what the best decision is going forward. So we have some great people around in ITD and out in schools that should be consulted and asked about um, ideas or approaches. Uh, certainly collaborate with your community and finding out what the school community wishes because they need to believe in the vision. And that's probably the crux right there, the vision. You need to be very clear about what your vision is. It's not about putting more technology in the school. It's not about trying to make kids better at using computers. It's about making them effective in learning and teaching and engaging with others because technology is just a tool. And if we just realize that it is a tool and that we use it as pretty much any other tool, it will actually enable us to focus on the important things, which is improving student outcomes and tailoring learning and teaching to their needs. So um, that would be my advice. Um, you know, don't worry about keeping up with the Joneses um, uh, and the schools next door. Uh, some schools are moving at different rates and different speeds, but certainly feel free to put up your hand uh, and let us know how we can support you because that's exactly what we're here to do. Wow, sage advice. Thank you, Mark. Um, there's so much to unpack there for all of our different listeners, so really appreciate that. However, you'll be pleased to know the hard questions are over. Now we're on to asking you about our rocket ship robots, and it's what we ask every guest. What piece of tech would you take with you into outer space should the opportunity present itself? Look, I would probably take my Apple Watch. Uh, because I'm particular about making sure that I close the, the rings uh, in my fitness app. So, you know, getting up there and making sure that I hit my stand-up goals, uh, you know, making sure that I've got my exercise goals and my and my movement goals um, sorted. Um, I think if I'd left it behind, I would be constantly worried about not closing the rings on my uh, on my device. And um, and it's bec it's become an obsession almost, but it's uh, it certainly does keep me fit and uh, and mentally hinged so to speak. That's right. As long as um, our listeners can't see where you're recording in from on the road in, in a tiny room. So we hope you hit those rings today as well, Mark. Oh, and what a, what a <laughs> signal about the determination and drive um, that, that goes behind your personality that I think is absolutely fantastic to have, uh, you know, leading and guiding the technology for learning team. So I think, yes, on behalf of Valores, you've given us so much to think about. Thank you so much for joining us from way up on the, on the far north coast for your inspiration, for the magic you oversee and for the opportunities that you create. And I can tell you, I think we're all feeling a little bit more optimistic about what 2021 has to offer. It might be time for another digital technology revolution. Thanks, Mark. No worries. Thanks a lot. It's been a pleasure. It's now time for my favourite part of the day. It's Playground Duty. And we have a question a little from left field today. Linda and Yvette, I hope you've done your homework for this one. It comes to us from a teacher in the northern rivers of New South Wales, and it's all about accessibility tools. Wow, we're having a bit of a theme today. The question is, are accessibility tools only for students with special learning needs, or could they assist everyone? And how could you implement them? Linda, I'm going to start you first. What a question. Um, it... it my answer to the first part of the question is no, it's not just for students with specific learning needs. It can, and they can definitely help everyone. 
How can you implement? Well, I think accessibility is a bit of an Aladdin's cave. There is so much out there and sometimes unless you stumble across the right thing, you're not really sure what's there. So I think we have a good set of things to share with you. One of the things I'll share is T4L Kids TV and I think that visual bite-sized learning that kids can go back to and re-watch and I think that just supports that self-paced nature of learning. It does. It totally does support. So T4L Kids TV is my recommendation around accessibility. (laughs) And what a good one it is. Um, I've been thinking as well about, you know, it's probably been a year, maybe just over a year since we had our first accessibility conference at um, Phillip Street, which was a huge thing. It was, uh, there are so many things that I still recall from that day and things that we've now moved on. Um, Accessibility is now part of every single conversation we have, which is really exciting. And um, I want to just point you all to some of the um, personalising learning from home Uh, information that is available on our site and it's just really simple things things that I actually use because you know we are all time poor and we're stretched and when we're not driving somewhere we're not walking the dog when we're not looking after the kids when we're not racing home from school um when is the time to get the stuff done like we were talking about do not disturb on our phone or turning off our 4g just so that we had to have that time to think I find one of the time saving things for me is enabling dictation on my ipad so that I can just say it and then it appears and especially when I'm writing like if I've got deadlines as well uh, it's just an incredible tool so I think there are some really really great um, you know there's guided access on the iPad there's making delivering digital stories there's some really great things there from our accessibility team for you to go to really easy to digest and you can install it any way you want to in your classroom or in your real life so I'd point you to there and the link will be in the notes. That's great that learning on demand there's so much gold in there and a great little resource for the end of term and start of term to go and explore again. Um, I agree. And, and I'm kind of going down the same route as both of you, except I'm saying experiment. Just go in, jump into whatever device it is, search for accessibility, and you'll find all these features that you can switch on. A lot of them aren't switched on. Uh, and you can go turn them on, find out what they do, experiment, and see which ones might work for your student or might work for you. And you know, it's almost worth saying to your students, just go and have a little bit of a look there and see if there are some that might actually appeal. And a great place to begin, I think, as as Linda said, was T4L Kids TV uh, for students to get them thinking. Uh, And then, of course, you can point parents to those as well because parents sometimes need to know how to use them when they're at home. And then, yeah, to boost your own professional learning knowledge, go and jump on to, hey, take a look at those videos. They're phenomenal. Wow. Wow, the, the power of accessibility tools, I tell you, it blows me away. Consider yourself challenged out there listeners go and see what you can discover and maybe share with us some of the tips and tricks that you find we'd like to hear about them Yvette, Linda, the sun is out, the heat is back, we are making our way to summer. The perfect time to sit back with an iced chocolate, some iced Vovos, plus a little bit of something awesome. So you're on the spot, Yvette, it's Car Park Chat time. What have you been loving this week? Look, a book for you to read over summer. It's actually a couple of years old, but I've only just found out about it and it's called The Big Disruption by Jessica Powell. Now, Jessica was um, an ex-Google, Google type from Silicon Valley herself, and she was the Vice President of Communications, which I just love those titles they have in Silicon Valley. So I think this is a a great satire on the world of startups and, you know, big tech culture. So if you liked the TV show Silicon Valley crossed with The Office, I think this is the book for you. And um, you can actually read it on Medium, which is an app, or you can buy it. Um, But, you know, if you're looking for a a techie fun read, this is it. I really like the sound of this. I guess Linda and I are both subscribing, I think, as we speak. And I like the look of Medium because I think that's a really great... 
curated digest because, you know, we don't have enough of those out there. But here's another one for our phones. Joe, what have you found? Uh, well, I found this thing called Skill Finder. So it's a free digital micro skills marketplace. I know this kind of could have, should, could have sat in another part of our podcast, but it's also about developing skills and are not just about education, not just about the classroom. And it's from some of the biggest names. So Adobe, I think, were the main driver behind it, but there's contributions from Canva, Atlassian, Twitter, IBM, there's so many more. And it's the vision of the Minister for Industry, Science and Technology, the Honourable Karen Andrews, with um, the idea to provide real and tangible assistance for people during these tough times. Great for them to discover new skills, you know, to build skills so that they're more employable. It's great for our students in the holidays. It's great for anyone to discover a new passion. Um, So, you know, I'm really excited. I found a couple that I thought were really uh, awesome. One social media mastery from Canva. And there's this big 20-hour course from Adobe called uh, Adobe Spark Professional Learning Kit. I went, whoa, they're all free. They're all available. This is something I've totally got to engage with. I don't know what you'll be doing over the holidays, Joe. <laughs> Skill finder. Skill finder. Linda, what have you found? Mine is a little bit rogue, which I announced which we to you love. both this morning. So I don't know if you know, but Gwyneth Paltrow has a website called Goop and she also has a podcast called Goop. She's not on this episode, so that's my disclaimer. I think of slime. <laughs> is Goop slime? No, it's her initials. Oh. It's an empire. Remember? Oh. We're talking oh. about oh. empires and empires entrepreneurs. all the way back around. So... This week, just last week's episode is called When Work Becomes Personal and they um, interviewed an associate professor of organisational behaviour and I found it really fascinating because I thought at this time of the year when you're, you know, being very reflective on what did 2020 look like for my, you know, my class or me as a as a teacher or whatever, it's it's kind of interesting to go, well, what do I want to do better next year? And he talks a lot about that blurred line between professional life and personal life, which we know teachers do terribly and and really find it hard to turn off because you're never done as a teacher. But in terms of leadership, he talks a lot about how leaders need to focus far more on care for their teams and less on their vision and their strategy because ultimately if you focus on the caring connection and the learning that your team is is having, there'll be less of a worry about their actual performance and because that will happen because they feel connected and cared for. Um, my takeaway quote was... He said, don't love your job, it'll never love you back. Oh, what a time of and year I to went, reflect well, happy on that. 2020. Take that into 2021. Teachers really everywhere. Salient. Your kids Some will love you back. tips in there though and I really like that way of managing a team but also of managing students and I think that's what we almost do instinctively anyway as teachers. But it's that whole known valued cared. We know the teaching if we value and care for our students, you know, their learning will, will be showing and their engagement will as well. But it's, it's from a leadership point of view and from a teacher's point of view and it was just a very interesting easy listen, 40 minutes maybe. Goop does have some great podcasts though so... Have a look around. I'm going to check it out. Oh, I think we've given so many resources today. Well done, team. (laughs) Yeah, well done us. Homework time. Did you tune out? Ha! Well, we have secretly coded your player to keep on playing. Yes, we have mastered the algorithms. Well, no, not really. I was just kidding. But this does hint at what your homework is going to be. Yvette, Linda, did you realise that Hour of Code or Computer Science Week is almost upon us? It is. So as a result, this week we want all of you out there to head out and find an awesome Hour of Code resource you can use with your students or use yourself. Where would you start, Linda? I would always start in the STEM Learning Library because that's where I start all good things. 
I will put the board number in our show notes because we have curated some Hour of Code resources ready for teachers to use. Tell you what, I would actually be starting on the T4L website because I know there's going to be some great (laughs) webinars on there. How about you? Look, we've just actually had the Minecraft Hack the the Classroom Challenge, which ran over a few days, um, preparing educators and teachers around the world for the global challenge coming in in the Hour of Code. It's preparing us. So the uh, Minecraft Challenge this year is called A Tale of Two Villages. Uh, Minecraft Tale of Two Two Villages, where students are going to be using um, real life skills. Again, there we go, real life skills of community collaboration uh, while dealing with themes of sustainability. And uh, it, it's uh, our, one of our uh, STEM leaders has undertaken the training and we've got a report up on the blog that's going up. So this is amazing. So we've got a little bit of, of contributions, t for website, stem t for Minecraft, but we want people to go and find more that might work for their class and share them with us because I can tell you we're taking this challenge on too because our next episode is all about Computer Science Week and the Hour of Code. So we're going to have even more for teachers to explore exciting times ahead that's for sure so make sure you subscribe so that you get it in your inbox as soon as it's released Yvette Linda as always it has been a complete blast thank you so much thank you (laughs) (laughs) there we go I was expecting a thank you there but that didn't happen but nevertheless we'll just keep on rolling this podcast has been produced by the masterful Jacob Drews who might take a little bit of those comments out you never know with the assistance and supreme coordination of Heather Thompson as well as many more awesome members of the T4L team Just a little note, please be aware that all views expressed by the podcast presenters, that's us, are our personal opinions and not representative of the New South Wales Department of Education. Discussions aren't endorsements of third-party products, services or events. And please note that as much as we sound like it, we are not experts in legalese, tech speak or anything in between. We're just passionate people keen to boost technology for learning in the classroom and to help build the skills in your students and for you to solve the problems of tomorrow. Do your due diligence, read further, and if we've got something wrong, let us know. We too are always learning and always improving. Before we go, please make sure you send us through your comments, your questions for Playground Duty, and your thoughts for new guests and segments. And if you like the podcast, give us a rating so more and more educators find us and be inspired to get a little techie in the classroom. Stay compassionate, everyone. Thanks for joining us.